Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Game over! Good evening, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to SDPN's Game Over Vancouver. I'm your host for the evening, Parker Hallowell, a.k.a. Parker's Pucks. It is great to be joining you after a Canucks win. Last time I was here, it was that heartbreaking loss against the New Jersey Devils. Um, however, this time, we get to be happy. We get to have fun. We get to talk about how your Vancouver Canucks took down for the first time in was it seven games against the Tampa Bay Lightning? Four years, in fact, that the Canucks have beaten the Tampa Bay Lightning. So a streak is broken. You have Brock Besser putting up three goals as he is just, he's on fire. He's now tied with Austin Matthews at the top of the league, which we'll get to later. Um, so as always, if you're new here, make sure to subscribe to the SDPN channel. You can also follow at SDPN Sports on Twitter. You can find me, Parker's Pucks, on YouTube and Twitter. Uh, but folks, let's get right into it with the first period of this game we're going to break it down for you we'll go through everything that happened i'll give you my thoughts my reactions um and then near the end of the show we will get to your thoughts your reactions your takes in the presser um yeah i'm just i'm just happy to be here after a win uh and yeah three straight wins uh the, this homestand is going absolutely flushingly for the Vancouver Canucks. Is that a term? I'm not sure. Um, swimmingly is the word I was looking for. Uh, and then, yeah, the Canucks take on Florida, a team that uh, they've shown that they can beat. They beat them once earlier this year uh, on Thursday uh, on Luongo night, which we will get to as well. So let's start with the first period. It didn't look great at the beginning. The Tampa Bay Lightning score their first and thankfully only goal 85 seconds into this game. And not a great look for Tyler Myers, I'll say. Um, it's just a, you know, four men coming in sort of three defenders, uh, and it's a, a pass, uh, from Hagel to the far side to Mikhail Sergachev, and then point just drives the net on the near side. Uh, Sergachev fires it back door, uh, Sergachev fires it back door to, uh, an untouched Braden point. Tyler Myers was in the way, not in the way enough. Didn't get a piece or enough of a piece at the very least. It's just sort of bad defense on transition. Uh, like, you know, it's, it's like a, I don't know. It's like a rush play in basketball, right? The transition defense is, you know, it's, it's very important, right? You need to quell any rushes. This was a rush that the Canucks just allowed to get through. Uh, and they allowed Tampa Bay to sort of walk all over them. Um, so 85 seconds in, not a great start. Canucks are down one, but the Canucks do get a power play. Um, and this is all thanks to Niels Hoaglander. We are going to talk about Niels Hoaglander quite a bit tonight because he was 
he was fantastic. He's fantastic tonight. Uh, goes in on a one-on-one, just him and a D-man, and instead of like trying to like do a little toe drag shot to try to you know change the angle, get it through, he says, "No, I'm just going to put my head down, and I'm just going to drive the net." And he draws a penalty, uh, forces the forces the hold, uh, so the Canucks are the power play, and they are just snapping the puck around this entire power play, like just everybody is just whipping it back and forth. Um, and then, you know, the puck gets cleared at one point, they come back into the zone, they keep whipping it back and forth. And then Quinn Hughes finds Andre Kuzmenko, who is in the, uh, who's on the left-hand side at the face-off dot. So he's in the one-timer spot on that side. He just tees it up and it's a perfectly placed shot. It's above the pad. It's just inside the near post. Vasilevsky can't get there in time. And just like that, we're tied at one. And the biggest thing for this, uh, honestly, like the goal's great. The fact that one's great. The fact that Andre Kuzmenko gets the monkey off of his back a little bit. You saw the big celebration that he gave. That is enormous for the Canucks, right? If Andre Kuzmenko can get back to being Andre Kuzmenko, who has looked like he's just lost that bit of confidence, like it's, you know, slumps are real, right? And for him to get out of that uh, is uh, fantastic. And it reflected the rest of the game. I mean, Alex mentions it in the chat right now. Um, the rest of the game, Andre Kuzmenko was very, very good. Uh, he His forecheck was great. Um, you know, he, he didn't get involved in the score sheet um, other than that, uh, that first goal, but he, he made a difference tonight. He was very good. Um, and then still in the first period, Canucks take another too many men penalty. We saw it against Carolina. Um, and this time Niels Oman just goes off the ice and two forwards jump on some sort of miscommunication on the bench. I, I feel like that's on the coach. That one, if you got two guys thinking that they're the guy who's up, uh, to the plate and, uh, clearly only one of them supposed to be. So it's too many men call. Um, and then the Canucks actually did a really good job on this penalty kill. Um, what is the, what is the penalty kill on the night? Uh, does it, does it show me this year? Penalty kill was three for three. There's three opportunities, uh, for Tampa tonight and they killed all three and they killed all three quite well. This one was very good. They like every single zone entry, the Canucks challenged and they thwarted the majority of them. I think Tampa Bay only really got set up once. So that was great. Then Pedersen takes a tripping penalty in his own zone. And the best chance of Tampa uh, that Tampa had really for the entire game was here where Steven Stamkos gets the puck, uh, alone, essentially on the hash marks on the far side of the ice. Um, like essentially in the slot, right? I say far side of this is in far side from the camera view. Uh, he gets stopped and then his rebound gets stopped as well. Like Demko sliding over, making two huge saves on, you know, one of the best goal, goal scorers ever really Steven Samkos, uh, you know, he's like career, like 16% shooting percentage to stop two uh, high dangers in a row is uh, it's big kept the Canucks uh, tied up. Um, and that's really how this first period ends. The Canucks killed that penalty off as well. So it's one, one after the first period, uh, the shots in this first period were 11 to four for Tampa Bay. So not ideal, right? In no ways, in no way is that an ideal period, but it's one, one you're at home and the Canucks have been a second period team all year long, right? That's, that's been how we've essentially known them. How, how they've worked all year is capitalizing in the second period. And what do they do in the second period? Well, they just give the puck to Brock Besser. Um, honestly, the first 10 minutes of this period, the Canucks were just in the Tampa Bay zone. Like they had all the pressure. They weren't doing a lot of like super high danger things, but the puck was never coming the other way. They just kept the puck down the Tampa zone, passed it around, made a couple plays. Um, and then finally Brock Besser, uh, Brock Besser breaks the tie. Say that five times fast. Uh, Philip Peronik holds the puck in at the line, uh, throws it on net. JT Miller gets the rebound, which is stopped. A great save by Vasilevsky, but the rebound goes the other way. Uh, and Brock Besser just swats it in. 
uh, on the backhand. Very well done. Uh, that's how Bester scored a lot of his goals this year, right? We, we've you know known him, especially early in his career, as this like this sniper, right? He's this guy who finds some open space and he just rips the puck. I mean, Besser has now 21 goals this year, but at this point, right? Like how many of his goals are actually like great shots? They are so many of them are just him playing with JT Miller, being in the right spot and finishing plays when they come to him. That has been Besser's MO this season. And uh, it's, it's awesome to see uh, that he's capitalizing. Um, and then uh, the you know period continues, not a bunch going on. Canucks still in the Tampa Bay zone for the most of the time. But then with about three minutes to go in the second period, um, Quinn Hughes just does Quinn Hughes stuff here. Uh, he just uh, he gets the puck uh, from Besser at the point. Besser stays at the point. Quinn Hughes says, all right, I'm going to go for a skate. He just takes it all the way around the net, comes back out in front of the net. And no one has picked up Brock Besser, who stopped inside the blue line, dead center of the ice, waiting so Hughes goes around, looks up. Oh, there's Brock Besser alone, high slot, kind of outside the slots, a bit high, but there he is. And uh, he tees him up. Brock Besser rips it, just absolutely burns Vasilevsky, you know, one of the best goalies in the game uh, with just a hard slap shot. We love it. Great shot from Besser. It's his 20th of the year. I just mentioned how not many of Besser's goals are like pure shots. That was one of them, uh, which is great. You know, he's scoring in every way he can. Uh, and so that's his 20th of the year to make it 3-1 for the Canucks. Um, and overall, I mean, it's just a, a really big second period from the second period team, right? In this sort of uh, this lull that the Canucks have had, right? They started the season so strong and then they've fallen into a bit of a rut. And if this is a rut for them where they just win one, lose one for a month or nine games or whatever it was, that's pretty good, <laughs> right? Like teams are going to have slumps if that's a slump for this team. For them to to go through that and then be like, all right, let's get back on the horse and let's win three in a row. That's big, uh, and a big part of that is their second periods, right? They they've gone out and and dominated at second in second periods all season. I don't know why it doesn't make much sense, um, but maybe it's just adjustments from the first, and they're they're picking things up and they're able to capitalize on them uh, before the other teams can adjust back. And um, yeah, it worked for them as they get two more and they outshot Tampa Bay fourteen to five in the second period. Uh, and if we look at it analytically at five on five, um, natural stat trick has the first period. Expected goals were 68% for Tampa, 32% for the Canucks. So pretty rough period for the Canucks. But hey, they got out of it, um, you know, tied at one. There's only one high danger chance on each side in the first. Second period, though, 84% expected goals for the Canucks to 16 for Tampa Bay. High danger chances in the second period, four to nothing at five on five. You loop in all situations. It gets a little bit. It's it's still good. 73, 26%. Uh, high danger chances go down to 6-2. But either way. 6-2. Canucks dominated second period. They were very, very good. Uh, and that gave them a 3-1 lead, which they took into the third period. And they did what teams do in the NHL in third periods when they're up two goals. Score effects take over. The other team starts to pile it on. And they just sort of sat back. What is great is that the occasions that the Canucks have sat back to protect a lead this year, while I don't like it as a play style... It has worked more often than not. Um, so you have to give some respect to that. And of course, it's going to work more often than not when you're ahead. But uh, yeah, uh, the Canucks sort of took their foot off the gas that they, that they you know, they, they took their two goals that they earned in the second period and the two goal lead they earned. And they said, all right, that's good enough for us. We're going to, we're going to ride with that. So we go to the third period and a tough start because Phil DiGiuseppe takes a penalty in the offensive zone, which you just can't do, right? Like 
especially like PDG started this season as, as this dark horse, like guy who came out of nowhere, a really good story playing with, you know, Miller and Besser and, and looked great for the first couple of weeks of the season, but it, it wasn't sustainable, right? He, he got hot and all credit to the Canucks coaching for seeing a guy who's hot and placing him in a spot to succeed. Cause he did do quite well for the little bit of time. He, he's just been pretty invisible these last couple of games and especially tonight. And, I, and I'm going to talk about it when we get to, you know, sort of the, my overall thoughts on the game, but um, guys like Dakota Joshua stood out tonight. Teddy Bluger stood out tonight. Uh, Philly Giuseppe, not really, didn't really, uh, didn't really stand out. So, um, you know, I'm wondering if, you know, maybe when Pew Suter comes back, if PDG is a guy to uh, maybe uh, be on the hot seat there. Um, however, on this power play, it's Thatcher Demko. It, it is the Thatcher Demko show, and it was all night tonight. Uh, sliding to his right, I don't know if Stamkos healed this shot. I didn't see the replay of it, uh, but either way, he slides over uh, and makes a save on a cross-ice pass to uh, Steven Stamkos. Again, a guy who's always dangerous no matter where he is, especially from there. Uh, Demko had his number in this one, and it was a very good save. Um, honestly, the shots in this third period ended up being 13-4 to for Tampa Bay, but and honestly, the entire play was in the Canucks zone, but I don't have a lot of notes here because Tampa Bay for their 13 shots. I mean, how many of them came from the outside, right? How many of them were point shots? I mean, Tampa Bay has seven goals from defensemen all year and two, two of them aren't from Victor Hedman and Victor Hedman wasn't playing tonight. So Tampa, the Canucks did a really good job in the third period of just keeping everything outside. It's a little hairy. I don't like watching it as Tampa Bay's passing around the outside, but the Canucks really never let anything get into the middle. Um, and, you know, that's, uh, that's great. Right. And that helped them protect their lead. My other notes for this period, Nikita Zadorov, uh, absolutely bodied a guy. I don't remember who it was, uh, but it was on his own entry. Uh, and he just stepped up, put the shoulder directly into the chest. Like it is textbook open ice hit, Uh beautiful hit from Nikita Zadorov. Um, and yeah, Canucks kept keeping everything outside. They end up pulling Andre Vasilevsky about a minute later than they wanted to. They tried to pull him, but the Canucks got possession in their own zone. Um, so they do end up pulling Andre Vasilevsky with two and a half minutes to go. All right, here's the pressure because now you have Steven Stamkos and you have Nikita Kucherov and you have Braden Point and you have Tony Sorelli. Like all these guys are out there now. And Mikhail Sergachev, they like they are putting everybody out there. Their their big guns are out and uh, they they get set up once really in this three, one game, they get set up for about 30 seconds. Not much happens. Puck comes up to center. Brock Besser gets it at center ice and has a chance to put this game away. And he sails it. <laughs> and I'm thinking, Oh, Besser hat trick back to being tied for the league leading goals. Like, Oh, that's going to be so sweet. And he rips it like three feet over the net. <laughs> so that's tough. And then Niels Hoaglander goes to retrieve the puck on the wall and Brock Besser is on like the near side faceoff, like top of the faceoff circle, and he's wide open, like wide open. And Niels Hoaglander just needs to huck the puck to him. Besser's beaver tapping, beaver tapping. Yep, I'm open. And Niels Hoaglander says, no, no, I gave you one. I gave you a chance already. And then he fires it wide. Uh, however, luckily, you know, 30 seconds later, whatever it was, Besser does get another chance at center ice and he does hit it. He ices the game. It's his fifth career hat trick. He's got a couple this year. Uh, that is 21 goals on the season for Brock Besser. And for good measure, Quinn Hughes gets an assist on it too, because why not? He's up to 30 assists, by the way. Um, but man, what a story Brock Besser has been. I mean, I, I feel like I've talked about Brock Besser a lot this year, and it's really just because they keep winning. 
and the and Brock Besser keeps scoring, and it's uh, it's a fun thing to talk about. So, three goal night for Besser. That is my my biggest. You know, sort of. I like to go into my plus and minus for the game. My pluses and minuses for the game, uh, which is essentially the things that I liked from the Canucks, the things I didn't like. Um, Brock Besser, obviously in that plus column. Uh, he played a great game, and was he the most noticeable at times? No, but he's always in the right spot. Right, that first goal, he is just in the right spot for the rebound that comes to him. That second goal, he gives the puck to Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes goes for a skate. You know, Besser could try to like replace Quinn Hughes and like go to his spot on the point, or he could try to like come down and try to get in the back door. But there's other guys down there to do that. And, and Besser just stayed like he's like he realizes he has open ice. He's going to sit there. He's going to plant two feet, and he's going to be ready for the shot because Quinn Hughes is going to know how to find him. And then, of course, the third goal. I mean, that's it's an empty netter. So, just very smart game from Brock Besser. Very smart goals. Uh, he's he's continuing to just uh, impress me every single game. Um, and that is goal number 19, 20, and 21 of the season, tying him with Austin Matthews back for the league lead, which is just awesome. Uh, like the, like, you know, Brock Besser had that four goal game at the beginning of the season. We're like, yeah, Brock Besser's leading the league in goals. And we didn't think that, what is this? Is this game 29 for the Canucks this year? What, what is it actually? 19, nine and one. Yeah. Game 29 of the year. And Brock Besser is once again in the league lead for goals this season. I'm. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I mean, who could have predicted that, <laughs> right? We're a third of the way into the year, uh, and Brock Besser is uh, tied for the league lead. Um, so that's fantastic. Um, Quinn Hughes is, of course, a big plus. A- and a big thing for me from Quinn Hughes is the bounce back, right? Um, let me just pull up my old my old list here. Um, against Carolina on Saturday night, Quinn Hughes didn't have a good game. Right. We, you know, he only played 20 minutes, which is a lot for a player, but for Quinn Hughes, it's not right. Um, so Quinn Hughes goes from having 20 minutes of ice time that game. And, and he just looked off. He was, you know, he, he didn't have a good game. What does he do? He comes back tonight he plays 22 and a half minutes. He's a plus three. He has three assists. Welcome back. Right. What a bounce back. You know, some people, you know, might, some people might falter, right? You have a bad game and you don't know. You're like, ah, man, I'm fighting the puck. Uh, you know, you see guys like Kuzmenko get in a slump and Pedersen when he was in that slump. Quinn Hughes says, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not having a slump. I, I just had a bad game. I'm going to come out. I'm going to get three assists and I'm going to tie the <laughs> for the Vancouver Canucks, the multi assist, the amount of multi assist games in his career for a D man. Uh, 53 already in his career has had 53 games where he's had more than one assist, which is tied for the most ever uh, in Canucks history. And I bet by the end of the month, he or actually probably by the end of the week, 
he might have uh, he might have that record on his own. Uh, he's very good tonight. Uh, he was very very good. Um, Philip Peronic also played about 22 minutes. Um, he was also a plus three alongside Quinn Hughes. That pairing was great tonight. Peronic uh, played really well. Uh, had a couple. I think he, he got the assist on the one shot that uh, ended up being that Besser rebound. Um, you know, good game from the top pair. Guys who need to be need, you know need to be on their best. Um, other pluses in this one. Niels Hoaglander. Niels Hoaglander has been so impressive the last couple weeks. I, I feel like every single time I've been doing a show, I mean, after the Devils game last week, right? That's three games ago. Uh, last time I was on here, I that was my biggest praise of the night was Niels Hoaglander. I thought he was the best player on the ice for them against the Devils. And tonight, I mean, what did he generate, right? He Sure, you look at the score sheet, eh, he had one assist, uh, he's a plus one in 14-43 of ice time. That doesn't tell the whole story at all. Um, the way that Hoaglander has been playing, the way he just is always in, you know, he's all, he always just drops it into gear and, and is just motoring at all times and just always pressuring, always forechecking, always trying to win a battle. And he wins so many battles. I mean, in this game alone, I, I don't know, we don't have like a takeaways stat, at least not on NHL.com. I'm sure it's tracked somewhere. Um, I imagine he's got a lot because he is always putting on pressure and making plays. Um, I mean, the penalty that he drew um, early in the game, uh, was it the first period? Yeah, it was early in the first period after you know the Lightning opened the scoring and, and he had that drive on the one-on-one to draw the penalty. Uh, Niels Hoaglander was fantastic tonight. Um, and uh, yeah, what a fit he's ending up being, right? As, as Phil Giuseppe falls out of that spot with Miller and Besser, Hoaglander steps in. I mean, he was a healthy scratch, you know, a while back. And now here he is coming out and uh, and being really the key piece, right? Sure, one assist on the night, but guess what? JT Miller had two assists and Brock Besser had three goals. And Niels Hoaglander was a big part of all of those. And Niels Hoaglander should have another assist in this game because Brock Besser sailed that third goal over the net uh, on the first try. So that would have been an assist for Hoaglander, which would have been nice for his stats. But I mean, yeah, Niels Hoaglander, where's he at on the year? He was at what, 15 points, something along those lines. Uh, he was at 13 coming into this game. So he's at 14 points in 27 games, nine of those being goals. Phenomenal start to this season. Our phenomenal first third, I guess, of the season for Niels Hoaglander. Um, I want to give some love to the Joshua and Bluger pairing. Um, they played very, very well, especially on the forecheck. Uh, Dakota Joshua, early in the season, I was I was feeling pretty doubtful on Dakota Joshua and you know, if, if there was a guy to come into the lineup, I thought he might be close to the top of that list. And of course, this is before the Bavillier trade and uh, and stuff like that. Um, however, Dakota Joshua has been playing very well uh, lately. Uh, and he goes out and he's just, again, similar to Niels Hoaglander, but more of a physical, slower presence, right? Just going on the forecheck, winning pucks. There's one play that Teddy Bluger made tonight where he gets knocked down in the corner and he just reaches out and like hooks the puck back. Uh, like that was a sweet play. Uh, Dakota Joshua, when he lost his stick on the uh, in the Tampa Bay zone, um, second period, I think it was. Um, yeah, it must have been second period because he was at the Canucks bench in the offensive zone. Um, he loses he loses his stick, so he goes to the bench to get one, and the puck comes up, and the equipment manager doesn't have the stick ready for him. So Joshua puts the puck in his skates, pins himself to the wall, waits for a stick, gets the stick wins the battle and pushes it back down the ice. Uh, so he was very good. Very, very good tonight. Um, and just, yeah, some credit for uh, the guys near the bottom of the lineup. 
Uh, and then my last individual that I'm going to give a bunch of credit to, uh, I mean, just going down the lineup, I, I sure I'll, I'll touch on it. You know, Elias Patterson, I thought played okay. Uh, 70% of the faceoff circles big. Um, good for him. Um, and, you know, nothing on the score sheet, but I thought he played fine. Uh, Mikheyev, I thought played fine as well. Um, but Kuzmenko was of course the, the biggest piece of that line tonight. Uh, or I guess Lafferty was on that line, not Kuzmenko, but I think Kuzmenko might get another shot on that line soon. Although I've liked Lafferty with them. Uh, the biggest one though, and it's obvious it's Thatcher Demko. He stops 28 of 29. Um, he goes six for six on the kill. Bless me. Uh, yeah, 21 for 22 at evens, six for six on the kill, and then one short handed save. Um, or I guess power play save. Uh, so yeah, 28 of 29 for 966. And Demko's been a little shaky lately. He sort of had this one good game, one bad game stretch. Um, however, in this three game win streak, he gets the last two wins, allowed three goals to the Hurricanes and on like 20 something shots. Not ideal, but uh, comes out coming into this game, they get a 916. He goes out, you know, stops everything but that first one. And uh, that save percentage will go up probably to 918, 920. Uh, and he was absolutely fantastic. The saves that he made on Steven Stamkos alone were fantastic. Uh, keeping a guy um, like Nikita Kucherov off the score sheet, right? The league leader in points. He came into the game seven points higher than JT Miller. JT Miller closed that gap a little bit. He gets two points. Kucherov gets none. Uh, the Canucks did a really good job of shutting down their top players. Ta- uh, Nikita Kucherov, by the way, played 26 minutes tonight. You think Tampa Bay didn't want this game? They put Nikita Kucherov out there for 26 minutes and uh, Canucks held him off the score sheet. So good on Demko and good on the Canucks D. Uh, Other pluses. I've got a lot. (laughs) I have seven. I have two more. Um, The three game win streak. I mentioned it off the top Um, for the Canucks to go off of that. uh, You know, their very strong start to the season and then have that lull where they go win one lose one for a while and credit to them you know they've only they only lost did they they lost two in a row once and that was i think the was it the flames and the kraken uh yeah the flames and the kraken on november 16th and november 18th right but hey credit to them that's the only time they lost two games in a row since the beginning of the year right they now remember when remember when the canucks lost those two games the 17th and the 18th or 16th and 18th of november 5-2 to the flames 4-2 to the kraken and we said, wow, the Canucks hadn't lost back-to-back games in an entire month when they had done it to the Flyers and the Lightning on the October 17th and October 19th. Folks, that was almost a month ago, right? November 18th, it's December 12th, right? The Canucks, uh, if as long as they win you know, a couple of their next four games, they'll do it again. They'll go another whole month without losing uh, two in a row. Uh, knock on wood. Uh, so hopefully you know, that matters. Um, yeah, that, that's great right? The Canucks have had their, you know, they had their dip and they come right back out. They get the shutout against the wild. They get a tough win over the hurricanes that they battled out. Um, thanks to Elias Pettersson for a lot of that. And then they come out and win a gutsy one against the lightning. I love it. I love the, you know, just the, the fight back from the team uh, is fantastic. Uh, and then, yeah, the last one that I have is, uh, they sort of got the monkey off the back in a couple ways, right? One is Andre Kuzmenko getting the monkey off the back. Uh, and the other one is that Tampa Bay hasn't lost to the Canucks in four years. Um, but the Canucks got it done, and uh, and that is pretty sweet. 2016, I think, was the last time that the Canucks had won against Tampa at home, um, which is not a great stat, but that stat is now in the past. Don't have to worry about that one anymore. 
Before we get to my negatives for this game, uh, while you're all here, there's over 180 of you in here. Thank you all very much for joining. Make sure you hit that like button. It makes me look good uh, to the old uh, Steve Dangle Podcast Network brass, uh, which I, which uh, is great. Make sure you're subscribed. I know SDPN's close to 100K subscribers, so let's get those up there. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and YouTube at Parker's Pucks. All right, negatives for this game. I've got a couple. Um, and by the way, after the negatives, I'm going to go to you, the people. So now is the time to start firing in any questions, you know, if you had any thoughts on this game, if you have any questions, I mean, we can talk about Washington. I see there's some conversation about Washington moving to Virginia, potentially, uh, Ethan bear signing in Virginia, I guess soon, uh, but signing with the Washington capitals, uh, seemingly, I don't know if that was confirmed yet or not, um, by saw on RMNB. Um, so after my minuses, we'll go to the people's questions. So get your questions in now. Um, all right. My minuses for this game first period, pretty shaky <laughs> pretty shaky first um like i i talked about the analytics right uh in all situations high danger chances were 4-1 for the lightning uh expected goals in the first period in all situations uh 1.41 for tampa bay 0.27 for the canucks that's an 84 percent to 16 percent difference that's not good the fact that the canucks got out of that just down one i mean bravo thatcher demko and uh, yeah, and, and good on Niels Hoaglander for drawing that penalty that the Canucks were able to uh, to capitalize on on that power play. Um, I'd I'd like to see the first periods get a little bit better. I mean, the the Wild game uh, against Minnesota, right? That two nothing win. I think that's a good example too, where the Canucks really were in a lull to start that game. They did not show up in time, um, but DeSmith held the minute, and then they went against the pace of play and, and scored a goal um, to make it one nothing, and then eventually hung on and won that game two nothing. I'd like the first periods to look a little bit more like the second periods. It feels almost like they're saving their energy up uh, for the second, and then they take a lead, and then they sit back in the third. Um, I'd like to just, I'd like to just play better in the first. I think that would be nice. Um, and then talking about the third period, um, going into pure survival mode, right? Uh, and again, that makes me nervous. And going back to the analytics, expected goals in the third period, two, even two flat for Tampa Bay. Uh, and they score none because that Demko was fantastic. Eight high danger chances. The shots were 13 to four Corsi, which is shot attempts, uh, pretty even through the first two periods, 33 to 12 in favor of the lightning, right? That just tells you how much zone time Tampa Bay had in that third period. Uh, and the Canucks had one expected goal, 0.99. So, you know, they were, they were dominant in the third period. And I, I, again, it's not fun to watch <laughs> just being there in stress mode, hoping that the Canucks can hang on because sometimes it doesn't work, right? It, it, you know, Tampa Bay at times in this third period looked like the devils did in the last few minutes of that game a week ago, um, where they did get the winning goal in the last minute. Uh, it kind of had that same uh, feeling at least this time, the Canucks had a two goal lead, um, throughout the third. Um, and then, uh, my last minus is, uh, that the Canucks got to figure out this too many men thing. Like, they gotta figure it out. It's been three different coaches at this point, right? It was a problem under Travis Green. It was a problem under Bruce Boudreaux. And now it's a problem under Rick Tockett. We gotta stop having six guys on the ice. It's not that hard to count. Just, and like, this one was funny too, because just like, one guy goes off, two guys come on. Like, it wasn't even like a weird change. Like, the last game in Carolina, it was Ian Cole going to the bench, and a guy steps on, and Ian Cole's like, wait, I'm not coming off, but that guy was already on. It was too late. Um... This one was just like, did the coach tap two guys? Did two guys think they were playing left wing or center or whatever uh, position it was? Yeah, just not ideal 
Um, so they gotta they gotta work that out because giving away free power plays, especially against a team like Tampa Bay, sure they didn't have Hedman, but still have Kucherov and Stamkos and and Sergachev's a fine fill in on the power play. Um, you know, can't be giving up those free ones uh, like that because um, the power plays end up being three to two in in this game, and you know maybe one less. Not that it would have made a difference. The Canucks would win anyways, but long term it would be nice to have fewer penalties uh, to deal with. Um, so that's my thoughts on this game. Uh, I'm going to scroll up in the chat to when I said to put in your questions, because we are now going to get to your questions. By the way, like I said, make sure you hit that like button while you are here to the 180 of you here, 185, whatever that number is, it keeps changing. Um, and uh, yeah, make sure you're subscribed to SDPN Sports. Uh, all right, let's go to a couple of questions before we wrap it up for the night. Um Let's see here. Uh, Fangirl asks, if you can only sign one of Zadorov and Hronik, who did you who'd you prefer? I mean, obviously, we'd want Philip Hronik long-term, right? I mean, he's a guy who's essentially been point per game so far this season, uh, just under it. Um, I wonder actually where he stands now, because uh, I, I don't know if... Oh, he got an assist tonight, actually. That's going to help. Uh, he was just under... He's at 27 points in 29 games this year. Uh, 25 assists, plus 19. What that does mean, though, is Philip Hronik is going to be expensive. Um, you know, obviously you know, he's a, he's a UFA. They need to, uh, you know, the, but you have a partner for Quinn Hughes, right? And I saw that mentioned by, uh, Wallach. Sorry. The, the font is very small. Uh, Wallach mentions like, you kind of have to go with Ronak Heisman with Hughes, right? Yeah. I think now that you've got a partner for Quinn Hughes, I think you just have to pay him whatever he requires to stay. Uh, and, and I think if you're Philip Peronic, you're looking at this and like, man, I, oh no, I have to play with Quinn Hughes for the rest of my career. Oh no, you're forcing my hand, right? Like that, that's sort of a win-win for everybody for Philip Peronic. You know, you're on a team that is now seemingly winning, which is nice. Um, and if you can be paired essentially for the next chunk of your career with, you know, one of the best defensemen in the league in Quinn Hughes, I'm sure that's some nice incentive for him. But of course, that's going to be a lot more expensive than keeping a guy like Nikita Zadorov around. However, if Zadorov has more games like he had tonight, you know, he, he's technically a minus one, but I, I don't really fault him for that first goal. I, I Maybe he could have been there. I, I, I didn't really see him on that play, which maybe that's not a good thing. Um, however, uh, he's going to be cheaper. But, um, you know, the way that Patrick Alvin sort of worked the salary gap this summer and going out signing guys like Ian Cole for fairly cheap, Carson Soucy for fairly cheap, Teddy Bluger, Sam Lafferty trade, uh, you know, Pew Suter, like all these guys were pretty cheap. Uh, and Alvin seems to know how to go get some value, uh, especially out of UFAs, um, especially deeper in the lineup. Right. And that's, that's where Zadorov is going to be, right. Uh, he's going to be, uh, number four to number six defenseman on this team. Um, and for that, you know, you don't want to be paying too, too much. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they find a way to, to get both done, especially with Tyler Myers going out, you know, they're going to need a couple more defensemen probably to, to come in. Um, so we'll definitely see what, uh, what happens there. Uh, let's see here. Alex just says, are you surprised with how the Canucks offense is doing so far this season? Uh, Yeah. I guess so. I mean, they're the best, they're the top scoring team in hockey right now, right? They've got 111 goals, which is more than anyone else. Um, and a, a big part of that is, you know, the, the big names stepping up, right? Guys like Brock Besser, JT Miller, uh, even Elias Pettersson in a bit of a slump, but he's doing great. Quinn Hughes is scoring a bunch of goals. Um, so yeah. Uh, sorry. I said, uh, I say UFA. He's an RFA. My bad. Um, 
Clay says, great game, great win, great host, great show. Thank you. Uh, I agree with all four of those <laughs> um, to be full of myself. But no, it was a great game. Great win. Um, uh, Colin saying, I know they're playing well, uh, but don't you think that um, Baines has earned his chance to come up? I haven't followed the Abbey Canucks a ton, uh, and it's it's easier to not follow them a ton when the Vancouver Canucks are doing well. Uh, what's he got? He's got three goals, 18 assists in 19 games. So 21 points over a point per game. Yeah. It sounds like a guy who is definitely going to be pushing, right? I mean, he's 22. He'll be 23 in a month. Um, but I, I, I don't see them making any adjustments here right now. Um, because if you are taking a guy out of the lineup, right? I mean, Mark Friedman's the only scratch. So they like they seem to like Linus Carlson, um, but you got to look at the other guys that are sort of in that same conversation, right? Linus Carlson, Jack Stadnika, Vasily Podkolzin, Atu Ratu, Arshdeep Baines is there, Sheldon Dries is there, right? A name that we saw quite a bit last year. Um, so it depends on the situation, right? If it's an injury replacement where he's going to have to fill in and maybe he's you know on a fourth line role, I could see them going with like a Linus Carlson who's who they sort of liked his defensive style or. You know, even a Vizley Pod Colson, because um, he looked decent um, at least in preseason. So, I, I, but for perhaps, you know, there's no reason why not, um, and I'd be, I'd be totally okay with it uh, if need be. But I don't think they're going to take anyone out of the lineup right now uh, in order to get that done. Um, all right. Um, my last question that we're going to take here in this one is from Silas. Thank you, Silas, saying, Sign Myers at league minimum as your sixth defenseman. I'll actually take one more question after this because I saw one that I liked. Um, sign Myers at league minimum as your sixth defenseman. My problem with that is how long does it last? How long until you start relying on Tyler Myers and moving him up in the lineup and playing him 21 minutes? That's my fear, right? I mean, what did he play tonight? Uh, he played 19-12. I think there's better options. If they're if they are so cap strapped that they need a league minimum D to fill out their 6D, then maybe. Um, the thing is, I think there will be other teams that'll be able to offer him a little bit more ice time. Maybe teams that aren't as high in the standings, um, which is a weird thing to say as a Canucks fan. But if it's for league minimum and and you bring him in as your number seven then I'm a little bit more interested in, but I'm also okay with just letting the Tyler Myers end with a whimper or Tyler Myers era end with a whimper. Uh, last question I'm going to take here is from just degree. Should the Canucks make the skate their full time Jersey? This one's tough. Cause is it fantastic? Yeah, it really is. It's, it's beautiful. It looks so good. I've always liked the blue and green because it's a very Vancouver color scheme, right? Like the trees and water. It's a, it's our thing. You know, we're a forest. Um, and, and I think the Canucks regular color scheme is good. Um, and the black and yellow is, and red is, is it doesn't really fit. I mean, I can see it. I have a jersey right there. Uh, and again, I will wear it every single time I go to a game, uh, except for Thursday. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just, uh, I, I love it. It's so nice um, that, if they went with it, I wouldn't be upset. Um, so yeah, I think folks, that's where we're going to wrap up in this one. Make sure you subscribe to SDPN Sports. Make sure you hit the like button. Uh, make sure you come find me if you enjoyed uh, me personally. Uh, Twitter, Parker's Pucks. YouTube, Parker's Pucks. Um, and uh, Thursday, uh, I don't know who you have Thursday, but I know it's not Clay and I know it's not me because we will both be at the game uh, cheering on Roberto Luongo 
for his Ring of Honor night. So you will have Sam on Thursday, but Saturday you will have the whole squad, all four of us. We're doing our Christmas extravaganza. This is an early game. It's an 11 a.m. start, so we'll all be on here at about 1.30, 1.45 Pacific time on Saturday. The four of us having a party, uh, wearing Santa hats, doing all that good stuff. Uh, so folks, make sure you subscribed for all of that. Uh, otherwise, have a lovely night. I'll see you later.